See, I I made my. You point. lost it this morning. You lost no, it this I'm, morning. I'm fine now. I got it. I got it out. I feel better. I feel like we've had some really good stuff today. I feel like this is a good show. I'm in a yeah. better mood already because mm-hmm. we haven't talked once about whether or not Chris Middleton should play more pick and roll. You know what you I were? Just, I don't. Let I me don't tell you what care. you were. You were a coach in the pregame show that just kind of scrapped the game plan. Like you threw yes. it all out and you basically said, listen, we're not winning by running this game plan. We're winning because we want it more. And that's what you were doing at 7 a.m. with yeah. me, Funches, and Emily. What, what, a, what? what a defining moment in all of our careers. I think that it's good. Look, if I have to, if I have to yank control of the wheel every once in a while and, and scream at you to have fun, then that's how we're going to do it. <laughs> this is if what you I told me to, to do. This is what you told me to do. You were driving a van, and you told me to go all the way in the back, the third row, all the way in the back <laughs> right corner. You said, you just wait over there for a second. Don't even open <laughs> the window. Stop. Stop. I'll get, we'll, we'll get to the NBA Finals in a minute. Just stop. Speaking of riding in the car, I have a, uh, I have, I have, I need to do this because this is very important, and it's uh, my daughter's birthday today. The, she okay. is 18 years old today, so a happy birthday to my beautiful, smart, talented, amazing kid. Uh, 18 years old today, and she's already informed me that now that she is an adult, she can go do whatever she wants. So happy birthday to you, sweetheart, Kelly. Uh, it turns happy 18th birthday, to Kelly. Italy. There you yeah. go. Happy yeah. birthday, so, Kelly. That's awesome. Happy 18th to her. And she's already decided that she's going to get a tattoo and she's going to go skydiving and she's going to do all of these things that her mother and I have said, what, are you out of your mind? No, we're not doing that. And so she's decided that she's doing all of those things today. And Chris, do not send the text. Do not ask the question. Just because she's 18, that's not how we're going to do this. I know, I know your deal, so that's, uh, we're not doing that. I know how you roll. You like to tease me with that. So, uh, By the way, do, do you that. ever – are you now – are you saying, man, I wish I could be 18 again. Like, do you go back to that? Do you do that with your kids? I did like 18. 18 was pretty good. Mm-hmm. 18 was college and uh, – Easy living. Thing. Easy so, living. Yeah, that's the best time, right? Because here, here, here's what it is. You get all of the good stuff mm-hmm. with none of the bad. You get all of the fun. You can kind of call your own shots. You can stay out. You can go do what you want. You can, you know, you get to, but you don't have to actually pay for anything. You don't actually have to go out and. You know how far $20 went at San Diego State when you were in college? I'm like, oh, freaking baller over here. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's a good time. So I'm, I'm excited for her. Happy birthday to her. All right. Um. So Kuzma hanging yes. with Kuz from Bleacher Report, Slee, um, okay. and and he he said something really interesting. He was talking about the Suns. And, By the way, thanks, Kuz. I had Lakers talk yesterday. You couldn't have done this twenty four hours earlier. <laughs> Drop that in. Freaking trying to get time. every squeeze every topic out for two hours. Now Kuz comes <laughs> with everything on on Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Um, this is Kyle Kuzma on the Suns and their chemistry. I saw them as potential finals team just off of their chemistry. Last year mm-hmm. with us, we had unbelievable chemistry, and everybody kind of gelled and knew their role and had fun doing it, had fun playing with each other. I noticed playing them that same type of feel. Everybody was communicating, talking, having fun, smiling with each other. Usually when you have a team connected like that, you win. You win big. This season, the Lakers team did not play with that same level of joy. I think there is a whole bunch of stuff in there, Slee. Well, you know, uh, there's a quote that I I remember doing the exit interviews and getting a chance to listen to all these guys. And Jared Dudley referenced something that uh, Coach Vogel didn't agree with. He basically just said there was the team was smarter the year prior, higher IQ. And I, really what he was talking about, Rajon Rondo, what Rondo met. And I know IQ is different than chemistry, but I think there's something to that. Um, there's some crossover for sure. 
definitely some crossover. And I, I think when we look back at this Lakers team, when a lot of the times what we kept saying is, man, it's just things just aren't working. But we just kept referencing injuries that you can't. How are you going to gain chemistry? You know what the Phoenix Suns were in the regular season, aside from the second best team in the NBA. Um, they played. I want to say the most. I, I, I know there was a point where their their starters had missed maybe like 12 games together and Lakers were closer to 70 games, okay? So they played together. These guys had chances to build chemistry. They had opportunity to, um, you know, obviously gain some progress as the season uh, continued. For the Lakers, that was never the case. Chemistry, I I think, you know, I, I don't think the Lakers had bad chemistry. I just think they never clicked. I think they never had time to click. I think that the players were just never there playing, um playing together enough to where you felt like, okay, hey, the engine is really starting to go. I don't think it was bad personalities, not everybody trying to pull the rope in the same direction, but maybe that's what he's referencing more to than just the guys were injured. I I, want to go about 60% of the way with you right there. I I think that your points are good, but I think – with the chemistry thing, I agree with you that more time together develops chemistry. The, the mm-hmm. ability to spend time, that's not unlike doing a radio show. You know, you can throw people together, and sometimes re- if you get really lucky, they click right away. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to, to get together. But even in the times that it takes to kind of come together, you, there's usually a kernel or two. There's usually a nugget or two. Like, Ooh, that right there. That worked really well. And I didn't see a ton of that with the Lakers. And, and th- th- let's go back to something we talked about either yesterday or the day before. The guys that we're talking about, Harrell, Drummond, Schroeder, maybe one or two others, they, they, the guys that we talked about that never really seemed like they kind of got their role as a Laker role player when we were having yeah. that conversation. Yep. Th- th- doesn't that kind of go with this, that these guys, they didn't kind of buy into the idea of, because look, let's be honest. The chemistry, as far as a Laker goes, is do you fit well with LeBron and Anthony Davis? That's mm-hmm. chemistry, right? And Rondo fit really well there. Danny Green fit really well. Dwight Howard fit really well. JaVale McGee fit really well because they understood the roles that were being asked of them. These guys didn't fit. I don't know if it was chemistry or fit, but throw it all in the same pot because it just never felt good. Well, you know what all those players have in common? You know, all the players that you know, the four veterans that were on the Lakers championship team compared to, let's say, four other players that came in. Mm-hmm. What they had in common was all of them were chasing a championship. I think monetarily they were good. I don't they were at the stage of their career where a championship was more important than the paycheck. Does that make sense, Trav? That sure, for sure. I, it does. Dwight Howard was okay of taking less money, where Dennis Schroeder you know what Dennis Schroeder's number one priority was, in my Dennis opinion, Schroeder. this past season? It was Hey, I gotta, I'm 27, 20. I don't know how many more contracts. I got to go get $100 million. If I'm Montrezl Harrell, I signed a two-year deal with the Lakers with a player option in the second year. You want to know why I have that player option? Is because I want to opt out after I have a good season and then go try to get a long-term contract. Andre Drummond came towards the end of his career, or I'm sorry, the end of his contract. Yeah. And what would Lakers pay him? 700, 800 grand. But he was on a $28 million contract. So I, I think the priorities, and this is, I don't blame Dennis Schroeder. I also don't blame Montrez Harrell, and I don't blame Andre Drummond. This is a Rob Palenka thing. You, one of the things that's going to be incredibly challenging for Palenka, it's not just finding good role players. It's finding role players that have kind of the 
my top priority is to win an NBA championship. And I don't know if each one of those players, that was their top priority. And I don't fault them for it because Rondo's made a lot of money his career. Dwight Howard has. Some of these other guys made their money. They were at a stage of their career where that was their number one priority. Yeah, look, you can have bad chemistry for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't begrudge a dime of, of money to Dennis Schroeder. I would want to get paid, too. I would want to, in, in all the things that you said about the guys that they had there, yeah, I buy it. But that doesn't mean that the chemistry was good. It just means that those are the reasons it was bad. Sure. You know, you, 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 you or, or it played at, into it. Sure. Yeah. And, and look, let's go back to the Suns. Look at the Suns, right? That they seem to, they, the, Chris Paul is very clearly setting the tone. He's not the mm-hmm. best player. That's Devin Booker right now. But he's the guy that kind of makes the thing go. And everybody gets that. He could be, he's, he's the most valuable player for yeah, their team, most for impactful. Sure. Yep, mm-hmm. for for sure, no question about it. But you know, when when a timeout or a stoppage on the floor, or whatever, everybody goes to Chris Paul to see. Okay, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What, what what's working? What's not working? He's in charge. Whereas you know, LeBron missed time and AD missed time, and all these guys just kind of felt like they were their own little individual corporations, as opposed to a team that was trying to figure out a way to go win. I get that that's normal. But they didn't have it a year ago, and, and I think that's what Kuzma is getting at. And he's saying it. He's saying that the guys, when he said, when, whenever you talk about chemistry, you're talking about do guys get along. You're talking about do guys fit. And it doesn't mean they hate each other's guts. It means that they just don't, they're not seeing things the same way. You know what the irony is in all this? And we mentioned this yesterday. And I love Kuzma being honest about this, and that's how he felt. He felt like, hey, I feel, feel like the Suns had better chemistry than we did, that the way they played was the way we were playing a year ago. The irony in all this is Kuzma actually is doing everything he can to play his role for the Lakers. I've heard him say this, and I, I really believe when he says it. I'm just trying to help the team win a championship. I believe him when he says it. I wouldn't believe that with some of these other players because I do think there are other things that are a bigger priority and I don't fault them for it. But that's part of the balance of how you put together your team and your roster. Lakers got younger. They got more exp- or they got um, more talented. But what they did not gain is chemistry and they did not gain experience. Travis and Slee is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear Highline. Let's take some phone calls on this, Slee. 877-710-ESPN. Does Kyle Kuzma have a good point? Was chemistry a part of the reason that the Lakers were unable to get out of the first rounders? It all come back to the injuries all over again. Plus, I am very sick and tired, Slee, of people disrespecting Shohei Otani by comparing him to Babe Ruth. I'm going to fix that. That's coming up next. It's Travis and Slee, 710-ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Do you eat the stem? I know we've discussed no, no, you eating no. the entire apricot and the no, seeds. No, stem you gotta take off. You throw away you know, the stem. Actually, you know what's funny? I, I find myself now, I'm actually not eating the core. Like I, before, <laughs> it used to just yourself be, out of it? No, no, no. This is even prior to our conversation. Oh, but okay. before it was like kind of like, yeah, I just would do it. Now I, I don't find myself doing it anymore. Like just naturally, this is just, Maybe as you I don't age, find myself doing it. decided that you've had enough apple. You don't need those last like three Like naturally, the that's core. the thing to do. Throw away the core. <laughs> 
I, I could go either way. I've eaten the core. I've not eaten yeah. the core, but I like that you're a, or at least you used to be a core guy. Can I Water park, another? one year from now, live streaming, Travis and I. Let's oh, go. That's enough of that one. That's a- Apple that one. cores and bread ends while you float in the uh, lazy river. You can, mm-hmm. it'll, be the, it'll be the Sliwa show that day. You can do whatever you want. Do um, like your stock from there. Very, very quickly. I, mm-hmm. it's a great example. Dodgers just tied the game and go one to uh, one to one. Chris Taylor with an RBI single. Um, prior to that, Cody Bellinger struck out again, and it was a really good example of what I was trying to talk about. Not only did he strike out, which you know, whatever, he's a slugger, he's going to strike mm-hmm. out occasionally. That's not a big deal. Look bad doing it. He swung at a ball that nearly bounced in front of the plate. Jeez, that that, that you're 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 really pressing and trying mm-hmm. to do too much when you start swinging at, at balls like that. That's the mm-hmm. that's one that's a really good example of stuff that the Dodgers didn't do a year ago. They were very patient. They were very disciplined. They were very willing to let the next guy mm-hmm. get a chance to do it, as opposed to okay, I'm going to hit a two run home run and fix everything right here. Mm-hmm. Those will come through the course of the game, but when you're swinging at pitches, the ball went to the backstop. I mean, that's how bad of a pitch it was. It, the catcher couldn't even catch it. And he swung at it for strike three, but uh, Chris Taylor bailed him out with uh, an RBI single. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things easier than ever. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, Sleep. There is another Kyle Kuzma quote that I want to read you because I think this is really interesting, and I think that this will be something that Laker fans are going to be divided on pretty significantly. When asked whether he believes that he can become an all-star, quote, I definitely can. I definitely believe that, too. I don't really care what nobody thinks or says. I know myself, and I know my ability. It's hard to be consistent in an inconsistent role. I'm excited for a more consistent space next season. So let's just cut right to it. Hmm. Kyle Kuzma, can he be an all-star? Um, look, there, there's going to have to be a lot of things that would have to work in his favor, uh, I, I can't sit here and tell you, you know, with a straight face that I think we're going to be talking about Kyle Kuzma like we're talking about Brandon Ingram or Julius Randle or some of these other players that left the Lakers. And that doesn't mean he can't have success away from the Lakers. Here, look, this is this is what it comes down to for Kuz. He's on a championship team trying to win right now, which is why I kind of keep, you know, saying this at the end of the day. There's nobody other than LeBron James and Anthony Davis that you got to keep on this roster. You have your window today. If it means Kuzma's not going to be a part of this team or some of these other younger players, it's okay. You're trying to win today. Where Kuzma is in his career, which I think he's been one of the few players that has said, I will sacrifice whatever it is that this team needs me to do. I'll do anything to go win an NBA championship. I respect what Kuzma's done. For him to be an all-star, Trav, it's very simple what it's going to have to be. He'll have to get traded to a team that is a lottery pick. It's an Orlando. It's a, you know, it's a team that isn't going anywhere. And he can go get 25 shots a game. And it probably is an inefficient number. But he'll get noticed more because he'll be more of a focal point. That's not going to happen with the Lakers. Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on. This is a great example of can he be an all-star? Yep. Can he be an all-star with the Lakers? Nope. Those things are almost mutually exclusive. He can be an all-star somewhere, a lot like Brandon Ingram was an all-star. In but but I, even the Kuzma, an all-star somewhere else, I I really hesitate on that because I don't think he's Brandon Ingram. I don't no, – you know, Julius Randle obviously had a fantastic season um, and deserved to be an all-star. I don't think Kuzma is is one of those players. No, I, I, I don't either, but it's certainly not going to happen here. Uh, with the Lakers. I don't think so. All right. I, I want to talk about Otani because, yep. Slee, how, how many times have you heard somebody compare him to Babe Ruth, right? 
Right. It's, it's He's been a lot of articles coming out about it, a lot of conversations. Everything is trying to kind of bridge those two together. So here is Babe Ruth's best season as a two-way player. Mm-hmm. Okay, it happened in 1919. That'd be 102 years ago. You were there. You saw it up close. Babe Ruth's best season in 1990 as a two-way player, he hit 29 home runs, which for the, the era was like hitting 50. It was just mm-hmm. it was a million of them. Okay, sure. the, People didn't hit home runs back there except for that dude, and he hit 29 of them. Um, he struck out on the mound. He struck out 30 guys. Okay? He hit 29 home runs and struck out 30 guys in a full season of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth. The guy that is held up as not only the greatest player of all time, but this is certainly the best two-way player of all time. I don't know. People probably know this, but just to be sure, Babe Ruth was a pitcher for the Red Sox before he became a slugger for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they made the trade. Shohei Otani has 32 home runs. That's more than 29. <clears throat> he has struck out 87 players this season. That's more than 30. He has already put together a better two-way season than Babe Ruth ever did. And the All-Star game is on Tuesday. He's gonna, he, he might win the home run derby. He's going to start as the designated hitter, and he may start as the starting pitcher, and not because it's a stunt, but because he deserves to. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening with this guy. We don't have the vocabulary to describe what's going on. And, and to compare him is unfair because there isn't a comparison to Babe Ruth. There's not a comparison to other guys that pitch occasionally and can hit. This is brand new. We've never seen it before, and we got to come up with some different words to describe what's happening because we don't have the right ones. Well, listen, I think this is – do you think people are, are – as much love as Otani is getting, because he's getting the love. Remember, beginning of the season, one of your concerns was nobody's going to really know what Otani's doing. And now, I don't feel like that's the case at no, all. No, I agree with you. You're he right. does anything. Uh, Twitter, social media, everybody will have that. That you I mean, know, I'm that texting you guys before the balls even landed in the 400 outfield. Four hundred foot blast. He did it again. He did it again. Whatever, he did it again. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. he is getting that. Like that part is happening. So. I, I think there's a difficult time trying to comprehend what he's doing because, like you just said, what do you, why would you compare Babe Ruth to what Otani's doing this year? I was listening yesterday, Mason in Ireland, Michael Thompson was on there as well, and they were having a conversation about Otani. It was actually, it was interesting. It was, you're starting a franchise today. Would you take Tatis or would you take Otani? And there's the question of how sustainable is this? You know, are we going to be talking about Otani doing this three years from now? Is it will will baseball change baseball the way we know it? Is it going to change in front of us? Is there some 11 year old kid out there today saying, no, no, I want to be like Otani. I want for sure and I want to hit. And I don't know if this is the best comp or comparison, but one of the things that we have labeled Steph Curry as is an individual that has changed the game. This doesn't yes. happen often, right? You get no. you get generational players that because of the style they play will help change the game. The Otani part is so different. And I, and when when we sit here and say like you're I, I feel like you're forcing me to try to understand how unique this is and I can't fully comprehend it because we don't there's no comparisons to it. That's exactly right. We, 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 as sports fans, we like to compare things. This guy or that guy. This team or that team, right? That's kind of the nature of, of this. But I, I want to go to basketball for a second. We have done LeBron James the exact same disservice that we're doing Otani right now. 
that you see, oh, LeBron, you know, LeBron or Jordan. Guys, they're totally different players. They don't yep. do the same things. They do mm-hmm. very different things. And, and I've heard this before, and I think that this is more accurate, that LeBron's comp is more Magic Johnson. He, his game is more like Magic's than it was Michael's. I think that's true. But his game isn't that much like Magic's sure. either because of the way he scores the ball. He's, he's going he's gonna to finish. How athletic he is, how good of a defender he yeah, is. I mean, there's all these other aspe- uh, assets he, that I, I think the only reason why they make any comparison to Magic is because, okay, his passing ability, that yeah, type of a and thing. And he's big. Mm-hmm. And Magic was big. But LeBron James is going to finish his NBA career with 40,000 NBA points. No one's ever done that. He's going to score more points than everyone else, and he's not looked at as a guy that's like a prolific scorer. He's unique. There is no could be top three in assists as well. top five. You know, go go figure. Mm -hmm. So there is no comp for Otani. It doesn't exist. You you ready for some more numbers? More home runs than anyone in baseball at thirty-two. More stolen bases than Javi Baez, who can run. Hmm. He strikes out more guys per nine innings than Garrett Cole. Okay, any short list of Major League Baseball's best pitchers includes Garrett Cole. He strikes out more guys per game, more guys per nine innings than Garrett Cole. He gets down to to first base on average 3.87 seconds faster than Ozzie Albies, who's the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Okay, this is a designated hitter who's the fastest guy in the league down to first base. He's a guy that hits 500-foot home runs. He strikes out more guys per nine innings than Garrett Cole. There are no words. There are no words to describe okay, what I got a, we're I got a question. Just enjoy it. I got a question. We'll enjoy it, but then also, you know, the, the sports side will come in. Is this sustainable? Is this sustainable? Like, the reason why I'm asking this is, in three years from now, when does he when does he become a free agent? What do we say? Two years? Two more. Two more years. In two more years, is he going to end up on a team and he's still pitching and he's still hitting? Uh, I'm, and I'm not even going to pay attention to the numbers because the numbers are unreal. But is it sustainable? Is this something that we're going to be talking about over the course of his career or in, a, in kind of this short period of time, at some point, he'll just become more of a hitter than he will a pitcher? It's a great question. And, he, and here's the answer. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Because we've never seen it before. I don't know. I mean, look, let's put it this way. I would assume that the reason we've never seen this before is not only because we haven't seen a guy that can do it, but that it doesn't work long term, right? Because you'll see, you'll see two-way players in, in college baseball Sometimes guys will get drafted as a pitcher slash hitter, and they'll bring them into the minor leagues, and they'll start as a two-way player, and then ultimately, you know, just the success or lack thereof will kind of push them in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. We Ken, Kenley Jansen came into Major League Baseball as a catcher, okay, and they okay, he couldn't hit, so they decide, okay, this guy can't hit, let's let's see what else he can do, and they put him on the mound, and well, he might go to the Hall of Fame doing that. So you never, we've never seen it, so I don't know if it's sustainable because it's never happened before. You know, you know, we're trying to make comparisons. Is the closest comp we can make to what Otani is doing is an athlete that played two sports? Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I put it to you this way: comparing him to Deion Sanders, who played right. in the NFL and Major League, Bo Jackson, right? The yep. guy, guys like yep. that. That that is a better comp than anything we're coming up with with other baseball players in baseball, sure. right? But yeah. I, I, I've said this before, and I don't think it landed right because I don't think it, it, it's almost hard to calculate. What he's doing would be the equivalent of him being – who's the best wide receiver in football right now? 
Who, who, who's the guy that every, you know, you can have one guy you would pick? Mm-hmm. Is, is it a guy? I, I don't know. Julio Jones isn't that guy. Devontae Adams, okay? The guy, mm-hmm. the guy that's making more plays outside. De- DeAndre Hopkins. Who, t- take your pick. Whoever your favorite. Sure, sure. He's that guy, and he's Aaron Donald. He's, he's, he's doing, because baseball, you play both ends of it, right? It's not sure. just one or the other. In basketball, mm-hmm. you're supposed to play both ends of it, offense and defense. This is... He's going to score. He's going to lead the league in touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he's going to go sack the quarterback 15 times. He might not lead the league, but he's going to be damn near it. That's he's one of the best doing. at his position, right? Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I, I like that we have gone out of our way, and I know everybody is doing it now, but I, that's kind of my question. It just becomes, all right, is, is he going to become that generational player where – now all these 10, 11, 15-year-olds are saying, I want to be Otani. I want to do both. I want to pitch and I want to hit. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that. There, there are kids out there that are saying, I want to hit 30-foot threes, right? Yeah. And it kind of it, it has opened up the game. Trey Young is the first product of Steph Curry who will be the first product of Otani down the road. I can't wait to see it. I absolutely can't wait to see it. What I'm not hoping to see mm-hmm. is that Kurt Warner movie. My oh, so goodness, good. does that look terrible. Oh, it looks we'll amazing. That next. It's Travis Inslee, 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You know what's going to happen, Sleep, is that we're going to start to get some traction. We're going to start to be really, really good, and everyone else is going to start having Serbian music rejoins at the 1030 spot, too, to try to compete with us. That's yeah, i got to be honest happens. with you. I'm not... Um overly concerned about that i don't Why? think that that's going to be an issue oh i do what do you think of this song compared to yesterday yesterday was like a depressing song like i like I, the upbeat ones this one seems kind of sad to me i don't know what yeah. she's saying but it seems like she's upset it's a love story yeah. it's a love story it, it, she was devastated it's a love story. this is she was serbian devastated. taylor swift and yep. something has gone wrong and she's that, upset serbian and taylor swift that's it. what it is yeah. that's right <laughs> that that's a-hole right. left her yeah, the, look at what you did to me, but I'm fine now. I'm back, baby. I'm back. That's uh, I'm translating it as as I'm listening to it. That's the way to go. Um, dude, did what you, you see mm-hmm. that Kurt Warner movie? I don't want to call it a trailer because I don't think it was a trailer. It was more like a behind the scenes kind of deal. Uh, uh, maybe it, classic is the right word. <laughs> okay, look, I know. <laughs> I know that you're deal doing right now, and I appreciate it. I really, I truly do. But they can't do Kurt Warner like this. Okay, here's, here's my question. Better preview. When you first saw the preview to Pulp Fiction <laughs> or this or Kurt Warner, Warner movie? It, and look, you can't put together – let, let me back up a little bit. Kurt Warner's life story Amazing. is 100% worthy of a movie. I, I said it this. Is, it's it's extraordinary. football life. If you've never watched the football life – on, on Kurt Warner. It is fantastic. I mean, you want to talk about getting roped in. First of all, they do a fantastic job on, on the football life to begin with. Mm-hmm. Trav, it's one of the more fascinating stories in sports. He was a small 
college quarterback, I think Northern Iowa, just a, a small school, didn't get really a, a meaningful look by the NFL, went to the XFL, or not the XFL, the Arena League. Sorry, the XFL hadn't popped up then yet. He wasn't he hate me. He was in the Arena League. Uh, he was working at a grocery store, stocking shelves, and then all of a sudden the world kind of broke right for him. He gets an opportunity to go to the Rams, and he becomes an MVP. He becomes a multiple-time Super Bowl champion. He becomes a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He adopts this family along the way. His, his, his wife had children it's from a previous marriage. Literally a story. He adopts his whole family. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. He's like one of the world's nicest guys. It's one of the greatest stories. And they have this movie with a guy that looks like he's never held a football before. It's like, it doesn't know whether to, to throw it, to punt it, to eat it, okay, to, so to that's, deflate that's, it. It's, that's it's the first. It's the first thing I noticed. First thing I noticed in the preview, it's him taking a snap. And I'm like, what the hell kind of a delivery was that? And I, I don't know if he's trying to mimic Kurt Warner, but man, can we just do this? For anybody out there making a sports movie, even if the even if sports isn't the theme of it, can you just make sure any sports part of it that at least the guy knows how to shoot a jumper <laughs> or the guy knows how to throw a baseball or the guy knows how to throw a football? Just at least, you know, it, it's the equivalent of putting a bad actor in in a good movie. It's it just, uh, just get that little detail right. If Michael J. Fox was forced to take a jump shot during the casting call of Teen Wolf, then we're, we have a different movie. If Tim Robbins, before he's cast as Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham, is like, hey, um, <laughs> hey, Tim, real quick, you want to go out back and play catch with Kevin Costner for five minutes? We just need to take a look at this real fast. We just got to make, I mean, you are playing a baseball pitcher. We do need, you, we're going to have to have a few shots of you throwing a baseball. Can, can we just see that? Can we have somebody on set that says, oh, hell no. Okay, no, Michael J. Fox that. didn't have to be J.J. Redick. Okay, nobody's saying he's got to shoot 45% from three. But for the love no, of God, no. just have some sort of form in your jumper. Well, first of all, he makes Messi look like Shaq. And second of all, <laughs> it, it's, it's, he, he's taking a jump shot from the foul line. That's not how that works. He would look at the ground when he'd dribble the ball. It, it, this is not how this works. You know who else was a terrible basketball player in an otherwise really good movie? Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes can't play basketball at all. Woody Harrelson can. Mm-hmm. He, he pulled it off. He looked right. It's what you just, we need to do. Ray Liotta trying to swing a bat. He was so bad at it. Come on, guys. That Shoeless Joe Jackson was left-handed. And they said, uh, Ray's right-handed, so we're just going to pretend that we didn't. Imagine if you made the Shohei Otani story, and all of a sudden he shows up and he's batting right-handed. You'd be like, um, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, and it, uh, uh, no. That's what we're doing. The guy playing Kurt Warner looks like a guy that has just, never, just ever put on a football uniform. For those who are spending some time listening to the show, do yourself a favor. Just go see the preview. Just see the preview, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. And, Trav, that's the, that's the, the, the fact that there's a, a movie on Kurt Warner. Love it. Love it. I agree. Just got to sort of get the football part of it right. The, you know? first, the first thing that I thought of. killing I... it at the grocery store. Killing it there. Yeah. Just get the football part right. The first thing that I thought of when I saw this preview was that this was an SNL sketch. Like it literally, like going back and forth between the behind the scenes and then all the action. It looks like a, a, looks like an SNL sketch. That's pretty good. I like. Yeah, you're right. It it, it did. Um, you know what else it immediately reminded me of? Another one of these movies where they tried to make a sports movie and it was a disaster. Yeah. I think this was a made for TV movie, and I don't even think it was like a network made for TV movie. It was like a local made for TV movie that ran on like Channel Five or Channel Nine or something like that. 
it was the Hank Gather story, which again is a great story. It's sad, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a really good story. And the guy they had playing Bo Kimble, who was Hank's guy, who was at SC with him, who transferred to LMU with him, who made the left-handed free throw for the Clippers, all that stuff, was like 45 pounds overweight. <laughs> I mean, if we're casting a, a basketball game, the guy, can't, unless we're doing the Oliver Miller story, the guy can't be overweight like that. And then the other guy they had, Hank Gathers was big. I think Hank Gathers was like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he was a big dude. The guy playing Hank Gathers, I think, was 5'9". Just a regular sized guy, and to shoot the basketball scenes, they had to shoot it on like a six foot hoop. So just need that detail, guys. It was awful. Let's just get that detail down. Just that one detail. That's all we're talking about. Any type of sports movie, just make sure the guy can sort of play the sport that he's portraying on this freaking movie. Al and I will offer our services. We will be your consultants along the way. Travis and Slee was brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Your worst sports movies. We can take those 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-ESPN. And plus, uh, we had a great call last night, and it's the anniversary of another great sports call. We're going to give them both to you and some others as well. It's coming up. It's Travis and Slee, 710-ESPN. It never doesn't hit me right. The summer and the yo both of those things are just uh, incredibly funny to me. All right. Uh, joined right now by a multiple-time world champion. Not there yet. All right. Well, we'll get to him in, in just a second. Um, are you as upset as I am, Slee, that uh, Pete Weber has announced his retirement from professional bowling? Are you as busted up about that? Because he did. We lose icons. And, you know, when they hang them up... <laughs> You need time to kind of it's recover. So I, I would actually prefer you waiting till next week to ask that question. Still raw for me. Very raw for me. I saw. Explain I was, who I was, Peter Weber is for those. Yeah, who I, I was. I was kind of flipping through some websites this morning looking for mm-hmm. things, and I saw that Pete Weber decided that he was going to no longer become or be a professional bowler. He's one of the the greats, if if, if there is such a thing. I guess there is in bowling. Um, but he's he's most famous for doing this after winning the U.S. Open. Number five, who do you think you are? That's right, I am. Get it right. right. It's just gibberish. It is, and it's bowling. Like you are, I am. (laughs) It's so incredible because it look. Guys get fired up. Guys win. Guys are emotional. It's competitive. It's sports. It's it's. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna knock you down before you knock me down. This is bowling. Who do you think you are? I am. Get it right. I number five. Well, this is a question I have, and I wouldn't have this answer because you were in a bowling league. What was your What was your squad called? What was your Strike your Force? Strike Force. Yeah. When you were a sure. part of Strike Force, I'm just uh-huh. listen. There's a certain talk. There's a certain art to talking trash. In the NBA, it was Gary Payton. It was KG. Uh-huh. It was these. Do you think? Larry Bird. Do you think he's the? Do you think he's like the equivalent in their sport? Like, oh no, he's one Don't of the best me. trash. Like, I have no idea if that's the case. Yeah, we, who, who knows? He is a, a legend of the game. Speaking of legends of the game, we are joined right now by a legend of boxing, Oscar De La Hoya, joining us here on the Goodyear Hotline. Oscar, how are you feeling this morning? I'm good, man. How are you? Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, hey, Oscar. We want to. Uh, we know that you have a 
Fight coming up here. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so curious to get your thoughts on this. It's a uh, exhibition mo- boxing match coming up on September 11th. That's under the Triller Fight Club. Um, I, I want to just kind of maybe explain to me um, what the what, what kind of the goal is in doing a fight like this? What can we expect from it? This has kind of been the wave a little bit here of some of these more exhibition fights. Would love to maybe you could explain to listeners what we can envision coming up on September 11th. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, first of all, um, I was I was inspired by Mike Tyson when he uh, when he fought uh, Roy Jones Jr. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, several months ago, um, and when he fought. Uh, in his exhibition, but I want to get one thing straight is that my fight uh, is going to be a real fight. My fight mm. uh, is not going to be an exhibition. Um, and, and, and the reason behind it is because I, I, I miss it. I, I miss being up in the ring, you know, whether I'm getting hit or I'm hitting somebody, I just miss it. I, you miss I love the hit? sport. So <laughs> I actually do. It's funny because <laughs> You know, uh, you know. Look, I, I'm a nice guy outside the ring. I have not one mean bone in my body. It's it's hard to rev me up. It's but when I get hit, that feeling of retaliation. You know, it's it's like I mean, it's it's like no other. I, I it's like I can I can legally hit somebody and not get in trouble for it. Oscar, what do, what do you make of like like you said your fight? You, you're anticipating a real fight. And and that's good because some of these other things that we've yeah. seen, and even even the the Roy Jones Mike Tyson thing was kind of more of an exhibition, a sparring session. We saw that whatever you want to call that thing between Mayweather and and Paul. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. I mean that certainly wasn't a fight. But wh- yeah. why does that seem to be the thing that gets people to come to the TV as opposed to actual real fights? Well, I mean, obviously it's all the hype machine behind it. Um, you know, I mean Floyd Mayweather has his followers and. Uh, somebody like Jake Paul, you know, has uh, tons of followers, but people don't want to see people don't want to see exhibitions. They want to see real fights. And look, I'm going up against a uh, uh, ex UFC champion. I, I, seriously speaking, right now, I literally don't know what I got myself into because I, I, I hear this guy's like huge. Um, <laughs> I, I hear this guy hit that he's a knockout artist. So, but hey, that's that's what I signed up for. And uh, look, I've always been known to fight the very best. And uh, yes, I'm 48 years old, but I always feel that it's just a number. I feel amazing. I feel great. I've been, I've rested my body for 14 years. So uh, I can tell you one thing: my jab right now is better than anybody's jab that that's an active fighter. Uh, uh, and I can say that with uh, truthfully. I, I just can't wait. I miss it. I, I, I can't wait to just, you know, go in there and just uh, duke it out. Oscar, I think you should fight Travis. I think Travis really would like <laughs> yeah. to fight, uh, go one-on-one with you. Yeah, if Oscar, you're looking oh, yeah. for somebody that's got 150 pounds on you but that, that doesn't know how to fight, I'm your guy, Oscar. Yeah, well, um, I, I don't want to go one minute. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't make it that far. <laughs> I, I, Oscar, I, w- I want to throw one thing out here. So you, you mentioned – you know, you're 48 years old, and after this fight on September 11th versus uh, Vitor Belfort, um, I, I, I want to just kind of what happens next for you. What are you hoping to do? Is this, can you, do you have a plan after September 11th? Yeah. What would you hope to do after that day? Yeah. Well, my, my worst enemy right now is, is injuries. So I, I want to make sure that I'm injury free. I want to make sure that, um, you know, that I feel great, that I look great. Uh, I don't want to make a fool of myself, obviously. Um, if everything goes well with uh, with with Belford, then uh, you know why not fight in uh, uh, Anderson Silva, for instance, who uh, who just beat Chavez Jr., a real fighter. Um, 
and then uh, and then do a real, real mega uh, event, uh, Cinco de Mayo next year, and call out Floyd Mayweather or Canelo Alvarez. Interesting. Could you get either one of them to – I mean, obviously the money needs to be right, but beyond that, you think you could get it done? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be the biggest – it would be the biggest comeback in boxing history, but it would be the biggest event and fight in boxing history uh, with either uh, one of those guys. So um, I, I feel that if I can get by these two, these two fights here um, and, 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 and – uh, and go into uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo next year, uh, calling out Floyd or Canelo. I mean, I think it can be the biggest comeback in, in any sport uh, if I win, obviously. So uh, that's that's what I'm going for. Which guy? If you in a perfect world, Oscar, you can write your own ticket. You can pick either one of those guys. Who would be at the top of the list? Uh, you know, I've, I've always wanted revenge against Floyd. I mean, I think I think our first fight was a good fight the first time around. Uh, it was a close fight. Um, I've always wanted revenge. He never gave me the opportunity, uh, um, um, even though we did have it in our contract. Uh, he never gave it to me, but uh, that would be that would be um, that would be one that I I would most want. But it doesn't matter to me. I've always fought the very best, so I I either guy I would be I would be happy with. You know, Oscar, I, I, I hate to do it. I know that you got to run to the next thing, but you you just said something, and it's true. You always fought the best guys that were available. You never ran away from a fight that if somebody was out there that wanted to fight you, you would fight them. Floyd, that's not the same thing. What what do you make of him in the way that he was very selective about who he went about fighting? Yeah, I mean, look, he had a good – look, I I actually promoted, um, uh, I think, I believe it was like 11 of his fights. And um, everything was always calculated. Everything was always – he had a great team behind him that uh, – knew how to calculate everything from opponent to weight divisions to to him having the biggest advantage, uh, you know, when he gets up in the ring. So, uh, look, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, I still feel he's one of the greatest uh, that ever laced him up. Uh, but we, we, had, uh, we had different careers, uh, if you ask me. Um, I was the one that always would love to take risks against the, the, the elite at the time and, and, and fighters who were – at their peak of their careers, and he just took a different route. That's Oscar De La Hoya, multiple-time world champion, Olympic gold medalist. Oscar, appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you, Oscar. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Hey, thanks, guys. All right. All right. All right. You got it. All right. We'll follow up on that in a second. So I think there's some really interesting things in there. Plus, we got the dump coming up next. It's Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN. All right, Dumps brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. How about this, Slee? This came down uh, yesterday late. Yeah. The Olympics are going to be held in Japan, as we know, in a couple of weeks uh, from now in Tokyo. And they officially pulled the plug on fans. No fans at the yep. Olympics. And the Olympics feel like something that has kind of lost its fastball in recent years, if we're being honest and, and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. But with no fans, I mean, kayak with no fans, basketball with no fans, gymnastics with no fans, basketball with no fans. That's going to be weird, man. Yeah, it changes everything. What, what makes it odd, too, is, you know, here we are in the States opening up. Hey, stadiums packed the house, Dodger Stadium, um, NBA, the NBA Finals, Phoenix Suns, 20,000 fans, whatever the case is. So that part is a little uh, it's a little weird. I know every country is in a different perspective and obviously Japan um, having uh, try, trying to take a, a lot of measures here. By the way, Trav, just before we go anything else, what do you think? De La Hoya saying he wants to fight Mayweather. If that actually happened, you know, we're talking about some some of these exhibitions. Was it would yeah. that be one that you would watch? If he fought Mayweather, I would watch it. Look, look, I'd watch that, that one. Kinda, 
Yeah, I think I probably would as well. I, the, the part that um, jumped out at me when he was talking about his upcoming fight against yeah. uh, Vitor Belfort was that he said it's going to be a real fight. Good, because I, I said this to you with the Logan Paul thing. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't a real fight. If, if Floyd Mayweather wanted to put Paul on the ground, he could give him 60 him seconds. In, in, in five, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, whenever he wanted to do it, he could have done it. Yeah. That Floyd Mayweather is one of the all-time greats, and Logan Paul is a YouTuber. I mean, we're not talking about the same thing. Um, so I like that. The, here, here's what I'll say. And Oscar's saying, I'm 48 years old, and nobody has a better jab that's fighting me right now. you got to think twice about getting in there with Canelo. That seems like no, a bad don't, idea. That's, yeah, that don't that, that seems like a really bad idea. Because Canelo is a very dangerous guy who's in the prime of his life. I right. do not think you want any of that smoke. No, I, I think that's a terrible idea. Yes, you might sell a lot of pay-per-views and make a lot of money, but that uh, it seems like the Mayweather one would be a much more tame one than going up against Canelo. Yeah, here's something I'll say about Oscar, too. And, I, you know, the, I was very lucky to be able to attend a bunch of his fights. Mm. I, I probably have seen, I don't know, six or seven different Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya fights in person in Vegas, and he would put on a show every time. He was one of the few guys that wasn't a heavyweight that could get everybody excited to see him fight. That dude fought everybody there wasn't anybody that you say hey oscar won't fight blank there was no was that because of the era but is that the era that that was the era that he was in because because mayweather did kind of create and he said he was very strategic and that was part Mm -hmm. of his game plan is that more of an era thing because that's not what we see in unfortunately in today's boxing yeah i I think that's part of it and and look there's there's just different philosophies about this oscar Mm -hmm. wanted to fight everybody to prove that he was the best and oscar lost some fights he got beat occasionally. That, that's the look. Everybody does, maybe with the exception of Floyd. But Floyd, Floyd's deal wasn't to fight everybody. It was yeah. to fight the right guys at the right time. That's how he kind of went about it. How do we get the pods, Lee? All right, quick shout out Mario Ruiz for setting up that uh, interview for us. And uh, ESPN app on iTunes. Travis and Sliwa show. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, you catch the full two hours Monday through Friday, eight fifty-five to eleven a.m. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you ahead of time, we're not talking about the NBA Finals tomorrow. Let's just uh, put that in your back pocket. DeAndre in box score. <laughs> it's Travis and Slee. It's 710 ESPN, 855 tomorrow. Don't be late.